0: Hi, I'm Patricia Kroparek and I'm Katina Sawyer and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today, Katina, you've got an article for us. What are we talking about today? Yes, I do. So
1: today I'm going to be talking about the importance of support from organizations for mothers who are returning back to work after maternity leave. So um, the importance of their organizations providing support to them Not just on them, but on everyone in their house. So this, uh, yeah. So um, really uh, some good arguments here today. If you want to learn how to make an argument for why your company should treat women returning back from maternity leave better, this might be
0: a good one for you to give a listen to. Sad that we need... Arguments, and it's not just common sense, but I'm very totally. curious to learn more. Yes, totally
1: agree, and uh, excited to share what they found uh, because it's pretty straightforward what they found or what they found support for. They tested a whole bunch of stuff that I'm not going to get into, but we'll talk about what they did find support for, and it's pretty interesting. Cool. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. But in the meantime, I know that you have some exciting news to share with our hive about your <laughs> recent events.
0: Yes. Um, so anybody that follows us on Instagram will already know this. But we adopted two kittens this weekend. Yay! Yay! yes they're so cute they're so small like I can't get over how (laughs) tiny they are like every time I like pet their heads I'm like oh my god your head is like ridiculously tiny (laughs) like how are they so tiny tiny little head yeah they're super super small but they're very sweet they're a bonded pair so they're little sisters um and one's name is Kona and the other's name is Ray um kind of along our our wedding theme so we got married in Kona and before our wedding we did like a manta ray snorkeling thing at night and there's a ton of manta rays in the area like at the hotel for example the restaurant's called rays on the bay um tons of manta rays so we thought ray and Kona so they're a little Hawaiian wedding babies (laughs) yay that's
1: exciting it's always so fun to welcome a new member of the family
0: into the fold and you get to welcome too I know, I know. We were not really planning to get two at once. Um, but like when we met them, they were just so sweet and being a little bonded pair, obviously you can't separate them, so we're like, Well, I think it's good. And it actually worked out really well because they have like some of the day they're just like dead to the world. They're so tired. Like, you know you probably know this with having a dog and having been around animals enough, and I think this is probably true for kids as well. Like when they are asleep, they can be, like, so asleep, like, crazy asleep, like, deeper sleep than, like, adults. But then when they're awake, their energy is so high. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, these two extremes of, like, super, super energetic and super, super tired that, like, you can pick them up and they're just, like, flopping around like, Whoa, I can't wake up. Um, so the energy piece is really nice to have a little buddy for them so they each have each other so they can run around the house and, like do crazy kitten things together um, when we aren't able to pay as much attention to them. Like, obviously we play with them too, but there are some times where I can't and it's nice that they have each other to like wrestle with or chase around the house or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's good that they can entertain themselves because, as you said, they have a lot of energy. So at least you don't feel bad when, like, you can't pay all your attention to them because you have other things to do that they have a little activity
0: to engage in with each other. Yes. I will say, though, that um, we're just starting to see their personalities. And Kona's, like, maybe the slightly smarter um or maybe more developed one is a better way to say it Mm -hmm. she's a little she seems a little bit older and then Ray but they're not the same age same litter but Ray's like kind of an innocent little idiot I don't know she's like very very sweet but like she's oblivious to everything around her so Kona is constantly hunting Ray and it's so sad because every time like I mean it turns into them playing but like Kona can like really focus in and be like I'm gonna you know follow her around the house and then pounce on her and ray never has a clue that it's coming it's like she's just so distracted by something else (laughs) i know it's really really funny but it's also sad i'm like ray has no chance here she never ever notices her so sad (laughs) (laughs) it's so silly but yeah they're they're funny ladies so it's been very fun very very fun that is very exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. So, what's going on with you? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I
1: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I was so enthralled by your kittens. I didn't. I forgot what I did for myself. Um, I we had friends visit this weekend. That was nice. And then I went to brunch with uh two of our friends that live in DC uh, who are both I O psychologists. So, you know them, Ann and Sharon. That was fun on Sunday. Um, and I've been taking this creative writing class that meets once a week. Oh, yeah. And so last week on Thursday was the last class. And then um, the instructor for it does like a one, uh, one hour follow-up with each person in the class individually. And so Ooh, my follow-up nice. was on Sunday. Yeah. Um, And she recommended some interesting stuff to me uh, to keep kind of creative juices flowing. Um, Speaking of like, I mean, well, we're always speaking of wellness. So but uh, because (laughs) we're rooted around wellness, this might be of interest. But um, she recommended uh, two things to me. One is a book about um, taming the inner critic uh, Hmm. kind of not convincing yourself that you are not something or that you shouldn't be delving into something because that's not your expertise or your foray. Um, So like, for example, like thinking about one of our goals that we set to uh, write a book that she might say or people might say like, well, I'm not a book author. So the whole time you're writing it, you could be thinking like, but I'm not that person. That's not me. I have training in this. I don't have training on how to write a book. Let's say, um, it helps you to kind of get out of your own head and say like, if I'm doing it and I'm happy with it, then I am it. So like Mm. I can do it because I am doing it and because I'm happy doing it and because I'm producing something, uh, means that I, even if I'm a work in progress, I am that thing. So she gave me that to uh, uh, as kind of a resource because I guess that's a common problem that a lot of people have in the creative process that they get to in their head. And I know that both of us are very like rational <laughs> uh logical thinkers. And so that can be, I think because my background is in science that's a that's a um I guess something that she sees people running into a lot that are very like, logically minded is that they'll like logic themselves out of trying something new because they think like they need to stay in a lane
0: oh i could totally see that though it's really interesting that she called that out because i can see us from time to time falling into those types of traps yeah um you know like where it's like okay well i mean like, there's something to be said about expertise in, like, a content area. Sure. But then there's something to be said about, like, what you're saying. If you're going into a new venture, you're not going to be perfect at it, first of right. all. And that's okay. But that doesn't mean you can't be that thing or you won't be that thing. Um, and just continually telling yourself that you aren't that is obviously going to negate any of the positive potential that you have that to achieve those things or to build and become that thing. Yeah. Um, And it kind of ties into, you know, we've talked about psychological capital on this podcast before, and I feel like it ties into some of those things there around, like, hope and self-efficacy and um, optimism, stuff like that, that uh, we could probably all use (laughs) a bit more of. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that was really interesting. Um, And she works a lot with artists as well as writers. And so... um, she was saying a lot of people, like, want to make art, but they didn't go to art school. Um, and so they think, like, just because they didn't get trained in making art, they can't ever – as soon as they sit down to make something, they're like, well, I can't make this, right? But, like, maybe you could make something cool or even just making something you enjoy, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You don't have to be, like, check off 800 boxes to just sit down and paint something, right? Like, so uh, I thought that was a useful thought exercise. And then she also gave me – um this journal that someone she knows wrote which isn't out for another week but i'm gonna get it when it comes out but basically it's like um every day eight minutes of creative brain ac- exercises that mm. are just like prompts that you respond to that if you do it every night before you go to bed or every morning you get up or during your lunch break or whenever you have eight minutes um you're it's supposed to just like keep your creativity flowing in a way that it might not otherwise if you didn't try to like flex that muscle more frequently
0: Oh, that's really cool you'll have to tell me how you like it yeah I should buy it too
1: (laughs) yeah it looks like it's gonna be cool so I um so anyway that was kind of nice and we don't usually have time to you know set aside to take like a full course on something so I thought that was a nice a nice thing and a good way of wrapping it up so I feel like that was a good highlight for the week and kind of got me Started on a good foot yesterday for my Monday.
0: Nice. So now your creative juices are flowing. You're yes. translating your learnings and then you're going to continue to grow. So yes. that's always good. And hey, if we're going back on the wellness train, we talk about recovery a ton. And yes. this is you really going towards that mastery piece, right? Like yeah. What are you mastering, learning, et cetera, to help you? And that's obviously going to be good for recovery. So look at you. Look yeah. at you. Yep. Very, very true. Hitting on some stuff that we tell people to do.
1: So I feel like that is always a good thing to practice what we preach and trying to do that more and more as well because it's hard for us too. So, um, so yeah. So that's basically it. And then now today I'm going to be talking about how, you know, this person provided me with support. And now we're going to talk about how workplaces can provide support for people to serve their families and their working lives
0: awesome yes i'm excited to hear about it so tell us a little bit more about you know who wrote it and all that good stuff yes so
1: this paper is called mother's Reentry: a relative contribution perspective of dual earner parents roles resources and outcomes and it was published in the academy management journal um very recently uh just came out i believe it's a 2021 paper Um, And uh, it's by Laura Little and Courtney Masterson. And uh, the paper basically takes a look at the importance of mothers being supported by their organizations when they're coming back from maternity leave. Um, And one of the reasons that they focus on this time period and on mothers in particular is because after women leave the workforce to take maternity leave, while it's a really nice break uh, from work responsibilities and allows them to focus wholly or, you know, almost entirely on the family domain. It can be stressful to figure out how then to reincorporate work into your life. Um, now that you've been spending time just focused on family, it can be stressful to anticipate what that return to work is going to look like. And there are also some anticipated stressors that come from thinking through how your identity might play out or shift. So there's some research um, out there that looks at how pregnant women anticipate their identity shifts once they become working moms. And that, that nine months of pregnancy is really a time period where people are thinking about what's that going to look like and who am I and who do I want to be and how much do I want to put emphasis on, on my work identity or my family identity or my mom identity in particular so there's some stressors that are introduced um while obviously it's a wonderful thing to have maternity leave and it's it's a fantastic resource and they're not arguing at all that that's not the case but when people are anticipating that reentry, it can be a particularly stressful time. And so they're kind of honing in on that time period to take a look at how organizational support might play a role in affecting some of that
0: stress. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I could see that being very stressful. Like I'm trying to think about, you know, obviously neither of us have taken a maternity leave. Yeah. But I'm just thinking about like other experiences from friends and family that I've heard of and I do think that there's like a really interesting, just from an observational perspective, there's a really interesting way that people approach leaving or exiting maternity leave, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it varies quite a bit. And I can, and the way people respond to it, and maybe I'm observing something that's in line with this study. I have no idea. But (laughs) the way people respond to it seems to be somewhat related to how they feel about their job and their work too. Hmm.
1: Yeah. So the um, extent to which people can anticipate, so part of what they're interested in is does the extent to which people can anticipate that they're not alone in doing this makes it easier for them to cope with what's going on as they're attempting to reintegrate um, their work and family lives in a new way. Uh, so, you know, I could think about, um, you know, if you took, you know, a few months off from work and you just completely disconnected and didn't have this new additional large responsibility that was introduced into your life, it would feel like, okay, I was on a vacation and now I go back to normal. But really what the end of maternity leave is signaling is like a brand new normal of having your work Mm. responsibilities back when also you recognize that you're juggling the same home responsibilities that you've been juggling over this period of time. So like maternity leave, different from a vacation, obviously, is like you're caring intensely for a baby during that period of time. And then sort of the like looming, okay, now that this has been taking up all my time, how do I reincorporate something that used to take up all my time and get them both done, right? Um, so that's part of what I think is like the specter of coming back that makes it stressful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But to your point, if you feel like supported in that and other people have gone through it and you know, you've got a system to help you, Mm -hmm. that seems like that would be less stressful than if you're just like, my workplace is kind of (laughs) crazy and maybe not the most, um, helpful or supportive and now I have to figure out how to do both these things but I don't think either are going to be going well yes exactly
1: so um they're really looking at this from the lens of moms being the critical caretaker in a family they're not purporting that it's the case that it has to be that way or uh that there is a mandate that it must stay that way forever. Um, and they're looking at heterosexual couples here. Um, so they're not trying to say that this is necessarily a, you know, positive reality. But they're recognizing what is the reality. That moms still tend to contribute more to childcare, And even in couples where they try to split mostly everything in. Evenly, So even in a couple that would be like very idealistically egalitarian, there are certain things biologically that moms can do more often than dads can do in the situation that they're looking at um, traditional couples, right? So, um, so in this scenario, uh, for example, if a mother is breastfeeding, even if they're splitting other things completely equally, that is – a burden of feeding the child that cannot be offloaded to another person, right? So even under the circumstances where everything is being split entirely equally, there's still some extra stuff that the mom ends up being critical to if that's what they're doing. Um, So they're, they're viewing the mom as a critical caretaker. And so the reason that they're focused on and actually find um, that the support that mothers have more so than the support of their significant others uh, is plays a key role in this whole equation is because they are doing that caretaking and they actually found in the data that when they asked each parent how much they felt they contributed to the family and how much they felt their significant other contributed um, people felt that the mother's contribution was significantly greater Um, and so they did actually document that in their data as well but there's tons of data that suggests that that's the case from like an hour's perspective also.
0: Yeah, well, I, one, I appreciate the spouse has, I mean, I don't know if they're asking the spouse, but if the spouse yes. is being asked, then that's nice that they're at least acknowledging that or the partner, yes. whoever it is. Yeah, they are. They are. Yep. So, um, okay. So we've got now this scenario where the mothers are caring for the children more. Now they're going back to work. So what, what do they find? Like, what was the study even? Like, how do they do it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so basically what they did was they recruited women from uh, websites and social media groups geared towards pregnant women. And uh, over the course of several years, they gathered this data. So they didn't do the study all at once. They kind of gathered it in waves because I guess it was a little hard to recruit a large enough number of women who were pregnant and returning to work at this time period. But for everybody that was in the study, even if they were recruited at a different time, they followed the same cadence of filling out these surveys. So at time one they filled out a survey that occurred the week before they were about to return from maternity leave and they filled out a survey and their partner filled out a survey of their perceived organizational support. Then at time two, which was during the week that they returned to work, both they and their partner filled out a survey of home stress. And then a week after the mother returned to work, they filled out surveys of the extent to which they experienced family to work conflict and also the extent to which they felt like they were lashing out towards others or do, being like deviant or misbehaving at work, basically. Um, oh. <laughs> so I can talk through why they picked each of those links, but it was over uh, three time points that were separated by a week, but basically encompassed the period of time before, during and after people were adjusting to initially
0: adjusting to this reentry to work as moms were coming back. Okay. So it doesn't look like three or four months down the road. It's very proximal to that return. Exactly. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes.
1: Um, Interesting. So a little more information about the links. So we already talked about perceived organizational support and perceived organizational support uh, is kind of a broad construct, but basically the idea is that individuals need to feel that they have the resources that they need to tackle challenges in the workplace. So they are not taking employees needs into account. Uh, They're not checking in with them about what their career goals are. They're not helping provide resources to help employees get to their career goals. Um, They're not showing that they appreciate employees or that they care that they're present. Like, so they might Mm. act as if they don't, really care one way or the other if the employee works there or not Um, Mm -hmm. so it's sort of this idea of do I care about you as an employee do I ask questions and understand what your goals are do I provide you the resources to get to those goals those are the sorts of things that encompass organizational support so that's sort of the main thing that we're interested in understanding if organizations do this how does this impact this other stuff down the line
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming obviously the more support you're able to provide, you would think the outcomes would get better. And I think a lot of the research previous to the study has supported that notion. So if you feel like you're supported by your company, there's a lot of positives around that. There's you know your increased job satisfaction, of course, but um, that often leads to improved performance and wellness and all the things we usually talk about. So it's actually a very important construct. And I don't think we haven't talked about it enough on the podcast as we're talking about it now. I'm like realizing that, you know, as you were talking through it, I was like, oh, like we don't talk about this that much. And it is really important. It's not just, you know, we talk a lot about the leader and the manager and that obviously is very important. But If your manager is perfect, but the organisation still has challenges and they're not, they're not supportive overall, you know, the manager can't fix all those problems and make them go away and make you feel a hundred percent supported. So I think it is really interesting that they're looking at this bigger picture than just the leader or just the team.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and I think it would have to do with whether or not the organization has systems in place that allow people to voice their career goals and set goals with their managers. And then also, is the organization richer with resources that can be drawn on to ensure that people can meet their goals? And you know, are there opportunities for people to pursue paths that are fulfilling? And do they have recognition programs and ways of making people feel a part of the organization? So... That's why it will link to stress. So they're making the link in this article around support from the organization to stress specifically at home. So some of the questions that they're looking at here are whether or not people have felt nervous and stressed about their home life or felt that difficulties were piling up so high that they couldn't overcome them in their home life. Um, So the idea is that By getting this increased support from the organization, it's likely that people will feel um, less nervous, less stressed, and like there are less difficulties at home because they feel like they have what they need to sort of make their work work for them uh, so that they're not going to be coming home to a whole bunch of stuff that's piled up or feeling so nervous and stressed because like they just can't figure out how to make their work and their life fit together kind of thing
0: okay that makes sense so um I was just thinking about like so basically saying sorry I just need to backtrack so you're basically saying that the support will impact the stress that people are having yes yes
1: exactly so and specifically their stress at home yeah so um, they didn't measure their stress at work. They basically were looking at, okay, if I know I've got my work locked down and I can do things the way that I want to do them and I feel like my company's giving me the resources that I need to get to my career goals, like maybe one of my goals at this period of time is uh, to take a little bit of a breather and maybe step off a project or something like that, right? Like, or maybe I want to jump right back in because that will help me feel better about uh, you know, being out for so long, like whatever it is, if you feel like the company is going to give you the resources you need to follow the path that you want to go down because they care about you as an employee, then when you're at home, you shouldn't feel as nervous and anxious about that domain because you're kind of ostensibly able to make your work life fit better with what you want overall
0: yeah that makes sense so now I'm at home and I'm thinking about what's going on at home and I can focus on that and not have to stress about my work and will that will also help me stress less about what's going on at home because I can really focus on it I can you know shift things around to fit the ideal scenario since my work is already moving in that direction
1: yes exactly cool so now that you're less stressed let's say if it works the way that they think it will you should have less family to work conflict which is the idea that your family interrupts your work which we've talked about a lot on the podcast so things about your family is interrupting your ability to perform your job related duties or you have to put things off um, at work because of demands on your time at home so the idea is that when your workplace provides you with support It should decrease your stress at home. When you're less stressed at home, you should feel as if you're more able to tackle the things that are going on in your home domain um, such that when you're at work, you can really focus on your work and feel like you've gotten done what you need to get done at home. Um, So the family work conflict should go down. And the one other outcome that they looked at here was interpersonal deviance, which happens when you're sort of depleted from stress. So saying hurtful things to people, or wasting time, for example, are examples of interpersonal deviance, gossiping about people, etc. So when you have less energy because you're depleted, you're more likely to do this kind of bad stuff at work. And so the idea is that if you have more resources because you're not as stressed, you're probably more likely to be friendly and to behave well
0: in your workplace. I find this so fascinating because when you think about coming back from leave the i mean i'm assuming that we're talking about this because there was some sort of finding around it right but i just can't imagine coming back from leave and then going straight into this deviant behavior um i know well but i'm sure it well happens. you're
1: right you well you're you're on to something here <laughs> uh because they measured all of these variables both from the perspective of the mother and their partner mm-hmm. And so to just break down what happened, because now we've laid out the model. So the partner's organizational support didn't really do anything in this model. So whether or not they think their organization supportive doesn't really matter mm-hmm. to anybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, that's weird. The mother... Yeah, the mother's perceived organizational support matters a lot, both to the partner and to the mother.
0: Hmm.
1: So for the mother their perceived organizational support at time one decreases their home stress while they're going through their transition. So during that week that they're getting adjusted back to work, their stress is lower if they have support. And then in the week following, they experience less family to work conflict. They perceive less family to work conflict. However, for the moms, the work deviance part didn't turn out. But it did for the partners. But it did for the partner. So the moms perceived organizational support, not their own. Uh, predicted their home stress at time two, And then that predicted both perceptions of work-family conflict the week after the mother returned back as well as uh, decreased work deviance when uh, a week after the mother returned back to work for the partner but not for the mother. So not only are there these positive outcomes associated to providing this perceived organizational support to moms because it makes them less stressed, And it also decreases their family to work conflict perceptions, but it has even more benefits for the partner. It decreases their stress and also decreases their work family conflict while decreasing their work (laughs) deviance.
0: Okay, so let me kind of try to sum this up. All right. So my or I'm let's just say I'm a mom, a new mom. My organization is super supportive. So then I go back as I'm getting ready to go back to work and my first week, I'm like feeling less stressed about it all. Then following week I'm sitting here and I'm like, cool, my work family or my family work conflict isn't so bad. I'm good. Um, And then for my partner, if my company is supportive, same type of thing, feeling less stressed, feeling like there's less conflict. And also the partner is less likely to be deviant. But so the reverse would be if my company isn't supportive then my partner is more likely to act out and on his job yeah Yeah. whoa so (laughs) weird one of the reasons that they think that this is true
1: is because if my company's not supportive that means my stress is higher and my partner's stress is higher so we're stressed out right Mm -hmm. our house is a stressful place normally that might cause us to be depleted and we would say like oh my gosh our family and work are not fitting together well and at the same time um, you know, I just don't have the energy to monitor myself at work, so I'm going to be more snippy interpersonally and not behave well with others, mm-hmm. right? One of the things that they brought up is exactly what you brought up in the results, which is that it's possible that when moms are returning from maternity leave, they're on, they're trying to be on such good behavior because they've been out. And because those behaviors might be viewed more negatively for women anyway, Yeah, that, um, even if they're depleted because they're stressed, it may not be coming out in that way. So there may be some unmeasured variable. Like, who knows? Like, socially acceptable ways for, you know, women to ex- to express stress. Like, maybe they're crying all the time. Who knows, right? Mm. Um, in terms of, like, how people are socialized to deal with their stress. Like, men are socialized that anger is okay and women are socialized that sadness is okay. So maybe men are snippier when they're stressed and women are sadder. But they didn't measure sadness here. Right. So we don't know. All we know is that they weren't more likely to be deviant. But that was one hypothesis that the authors had of why that didn't turn out.
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense, right? The The partners here are also sleep deprived. They're also stressed out at home. And so then they come to work and they don't have the same, assuming uh, the sample is in the US, right? Yeah, yes. so assuming that majority of these fathers um since it is heterosexual couples right majority of these fathers probably don't have much of a paternity leave if any so they also have been at work this whole time so now there's a Mm -hmm. new stressor coming in and they it totally makes more sense to me now that you were talking through it that they went lash out might have these like kind of angry bursts of energy or something um yeah throughout the day because they have already been uh integrated in the workplace so it's not like they're trying to make a positive impression or anything like that plus like you said it's gender stereotypes and things like that um yeah and i actually wonder and this is like a question that we don't have answers to based on the study but something i'm wondering is because the study was so recent like it's so soon after coming back from leave that they measured all of this like i'd be curious to see what happens long term and i'd also be curious to know if like coworkers forgive that father's outbursts because of the situation Mm -hmm. and just based on other research that we've read and talked about, like my guess is that wouldn't be forgiven as easily from the mother's side. So maybe there's like some other thing going on too.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and I think that's kind of what was driving their Like thinking about the results is like mothers might just be aware that others' perceptions wouldn't be very positive if they did that. So they try to curb those reactions out of the gate yeah um but yeah so so basically what the findings mean is that organizational support is really important particularly at these crucial times in families when moms are transitioning back into the workforce after maternity leave so one of the things that they mention workplaces can do and they kind of keep it at a workplace level because that's the level that we're looking at is the organizational level Um, that it shouldn't be sort of like a norm that people think about, talk about or treat maternity leave as a vacation that people should think about this as a period of time that is straining and that people are anticipating added strain on top of the strain that they've experienced during this period of time. Um, that people might have had a lot of physical challenges, lack of sleep, breastfeeding, healing from giving birth, like all these different things, emotional experiences, um, you know, trying to um, figure out how to care for a new baby, bonding with a new baby, anxiety about related about returning to like work. Um, so these sorts of things are make it very different from time off and so the consequences of these reentry experiences, because it's sort of like thinking about adding a new stressor instead of like coming back from this like refreshing period of time as some workplaces might make it seem, or that might be the way people talk about it or um, the way it's treated when people get back from work um, that there's actually, this needs to be treated carefully. There's reason to treat this carefully um, and that, Something that organizations can do to ensure that they're treating it carefully is to proactively support working moms throughout the reentry period and to pledge that support before they leave for maternity leave and to make that a consistent message throughout the organization that they're appreciated and that their well being is cared for and that their career goals matter and that the organization will provide them the resources that they need to navigate their careers because in the absence of that, people may enter into this process unsure and that may manifest in some problematic ways for not just them, but also their partner.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this is all really important. And I really think it's conversations that probably don't happen enough in organizations. So I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad this study came out and hopefully these conversations can continue to happen as to how we treat um, mothers when they return and how we support families in the workplace. And I mean, obviously we've talked about Families and work-life balance can look very different across the spectrum, and we should be supporting everybody in their needs in these different areas. And this is a, an area where, you know, we don't have a lot of, um, like, legal and, like, policy-based guidance as to what we need to be doing uh, from, like, the government in the U.S., at least. But I think that organizations are, some organizations are doing this stuff fairly well and some obviously aren't. Um, So it would be nice to see these conversations continue to happen and push organizations kind of further and further down the path of supporting our families and our parents and being able to, you know, give them what they need so they can come back and be the awesome employees that you hired them to be and that they've been thus far. So why are we making it harder for them just because they have a life? Yeah. And one other thing uh,
1: to throw in there as we're wrapping up here is that they make the point, which I thought was a good one, that it's likely that this uh, sort of response um, to organizational support on stress and family work conflict is true for Anyone who's in a primary caretaking role, especially if, um, you know, that they've taken family leave, let's say. So let's say you take family leave for elder care, um, something of that nature, caring for a sick relative or something like that that when you're off from work, that company should really be thinking about the fact that that caretaking is draining and that there may not be an endpoint associated with it. So you might take time off to care for somebody when they're really in critical need, but maybe those needs continue to, but to a lesser extent moving forward, but you're still caretaking um, for that person. So it's not just a story about moms, but also about people who are primarily responsible for someone's care and what it looks like for them when they're coming back after a leave where they've been Taking, and now they're going to reintegrate into the workforce. That this same uh, level of support or organizational support will probably serve the same role. So, just thinking about this even more broadly is probably productive. Yeah,
0: exactly. And you know, they might be coming back and still taking on that caretaking role. So now they've got additional work, additional um, stressors outside of work that they need to be thinking about. So, being supportive across the board is super important. And I will say that. Uh, well, kitten, just on a light, silly note, kittens are nowhere near any of the caretaking things that we're talking about, but one literally just paused the recording for a second and then I had to restart it. So needed I just needed everyone to know that that happened because it's hilarious given the context and
1: kitten caretaking and its impacts on recording (laughs) continuity
0: yeah apparently it's a thing so anyways side note on the absurd little dramas that are happening with me but more seriously it is really critical for organizations to think about this caretaking piece broadly right because I am sure that parents that are coming from leave that are not mothers will probably still experience some of this like you said other type of caretaking activities other family members etc um especially as that care continues and if that care doesn't continue if it's like elder care and it's not continuing then that's there's a grief component so no matter what anyone coming back from a leave like this um, and all probably health related too well, everything that we're doing is we're bringing people back from these leaves that are important for their individual family lives their health etc if we don't help them integrate back in then they're going to be suffering more and then that leave was I mean I'm not gonna say not worth it because you probably have a baby now or in this specific study but it may not be as good of a thing as it should be if we can't integrate those people back in totally
1: totally agreed and uh appreciate Um, your insights on this as well and if anyone has had a period of time where they have readjusted um, we would love to hear from you in terms of what specifically your organization did to make that easier if that was the case because uh, the article didn't get super specific about that so that would be kind of interesting to learn about moving forward
0: yeah agreed I totally agree with that thank you so much for sharing this this has been a really fun article well, fun is maybe not the right word, but an interesting article yeah. with a little twist yeah, of this totally. deviance. That's super interesting. Yes.
1: Yes. Totally. Yeah.
0: Love it. So thank you for sharing. Um, thank you to all of our listeners. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, feedback, you can always reach out to us. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can find us on our website, workerbeing.com and also social media. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter at workerbeing. Love to hear from you. And if This is an important article to you. Please subscribe, share our podcast with others, um, and we hope to connect with you all soon. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarik and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson.